You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Tonight we have the distinct privilege to have Brother uh, Jacob Green come to preach the word of the Lord, and um, we, we haven't we been incredibly blessed to have all these different ministers, all these different speakers come and preach, and our services here. Well, the Carters have been gone. It's just been it's been phenomenal, man. So we're going to welcome him to the pulpit. Could you welcome Brother Green as he comes? Praise the Lord, everybody. How are we doing tonight? I know we've mentioned it already. It's, uh, it's a bit wet out there. And I know water's known to put out fire, but it can't withstand the fire the Holy Ghost sets in this place here tonight. I feel, I feel God's presence here in this place, and I know we're not a, we're not a packed house as per usual in, or as we normally are this week. But Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So it's, it's great to be in the house of God tonight. And I give honor to Pastor and Sister Carter, who are currently away. And I wish them nothing but safety on their travels back home. And of course, Pastor and Sister Robertson, I give honor to you tonight. And I thank you for this opportunity. I, I certainly don't take these opportunities lightly. And I give honor to all of you here tonight and to those who are watching online. God bless you. And, of course, my amazing wife, who is my, my partner, who I love very much, and my two girls, who always make life very fun. So, so glad to have them here and, of course, my family who are watching as well. Um, if we could stand for the reading of the word. And I'd like to turn your attention to one portion of Scripture. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version throughout the sermon. And it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Someone say, Abba, Father. That's the title of my sermon tonight, Abba, Father. Let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus God, we give honor to you in your presence, Lord, here tonight. We just ask that you have your way, God, and that your word would minister to each person here. Lord, we pray for the moving of your spirit and that your will would be accomplished in this place for your kingdom and glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 17 0.8 million children, nearly one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. That's enough children to fill New York City twice or Los Angeles four times over. Research shows us that a father's absence affects children in numerous unfortunate ways, while a father's presence makes a positive difference in the lives of both children 
and even the mothers. Here are some facts that were gathered by the National Fatherhood Initiative. Involved dads improve their children's overall emotional and social well-being. Children who live with their dads, they do better in school. Adolescent teen boys who live with their dads are less likely to carry guns and deal drugs. Children with imprisoned fathers are more likely to have depression. Children living without their father in the home are 47% more likely to live in poverty. Men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. Boys have fewer behavioral problems and girls have fewer psychological problems when they have involved dads. Individuals with father-absent homes are 279% more likely to carry guns and deal drugs than peers living with their fathers. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they have consistent contact and a sense of closeness with their dads. Involved dads lead to distress in toddlers. Can I get a witness in the house? (laughs) So as you can see, our world, our families are greatly affected by the involvement of fathers. They make a difference. But I don't want to just talk to you about our earthly fathers. I want to talk to you about our Abba, Father. The word Abba, it's of of Amoraic origin. The word Abba, it parallels the Hebrew word Av from where Abba, or Father, is derived from. Some scholars consider it to be a term of familiarity, that a young child would have used similar to how children in our culture say daddy or papa. The term Abba, it's only found in the New Testament three times. In Mark 14.36, Romans 8.15, and Galatians 4.6. And is only used by Jesus and the Apostle Paul. In each instance, Abba is transliterated into Greek and accompanied by the Greek translation of father, which is hopater. Now, Paul, he used Abba when discussing the believer's status as sons or children of God in Romans 8.15 and Galatians 4.6. So let's go back to Romans 8.15. Here Paul says, For you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. Someone say adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When you become born again and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're not receiving a spirit of fear. When you are filled with His Spirit, you have been adopted into the family of God, and into His kingdom. And in Galatians 4, 6, Paul also says this, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. In these verses, Abba, it's, it's used as a term of familial intimacy. 
And this is something that Paul says that we can claim as believers. And finally, Jesus, he first says this term, Abba, Father, in Mark 14, 36. Here Jesus is about to head to the cross. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is in anguish for what he's about to endure. Jesus, in all his humanity, he's feeling the very anguish on what's to come. He knows that he has to die. He has to die this miserable death that's going to be painful. This is how Jesus is feeling in his humanity. And so what does he do? He goes to prayer. In his humanity, he goes to prayer and he prays to God. And here he says, and he said, Abba, Father. Here's how he starts his prayer. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus showed his disciples that we as believers, we can also address God in such an intimate manner. You see, up until this point, this is quite possible. This is based on my study for this. It's quite possible that this was the first time a Jew ever referred to God in such an intimate manner. Something to think about because the Jews were in such awe and reverence of God. They had such respect. Based on uh, Proverbs verse 9, when it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear does not mean afraid. It does not mean being scared of God. The Hebrew word for fear is yura, which translates to awe or reverence. This implies that God-fearing means, it means having a deep respect. It means having honor for God rather than being scared. And the Jews were even afraid to say the name of God with fear of saying his name in vain. So they never addressed their God as Abba, as Daddy, as Papa. This is how they addressed their earthly fathers. But here Jesus is showing us that we can come to God in such manner. That we can go to Him and say, Papa, Dad, I need help. That's exactly what He's trying to show His believers. And to not be afraid. You see, there's a difference between a father and a dad. You see, the title of a father... It's simply a biological title that somebody can have. See, when I had my two girls, I became a father. Biologically, I became a father. Any man can be a father, but it takes a real special man to be a dad. You see, a dad is somebody that's involved with their children. A dad is somebody that shows affection and love, unconditional love, grace and mercy towards their children. That's exactly how our Abba Father is towards His children. Aren't you glad to have a God that has such love, has such grace, and such mercy when we didn't even deserve it? 
But that, ladies and gentlemen, is the God that we serve. He is not somebody that we can be scared of. We have to have the fear of the Lord by being in awe of Him. Being in reverence, having respect for His presence. Having respect for His position, His glory, His word. But He wants us to come to Him and say, Papa, Dad, So who is, who is our Abba Father? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a prophecy of the Messiah that was to come. And it says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, catch it here, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did you catch that? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Messiah that was to come. Our God becomes a son, and he's referred to as Everlasting Father. That word everlasting, the Hebrew word for everlasting is olam, which means endless, eternal, existing, or continuing without end. Anybody glad that you serve a Abba Father, a Heavenly Father, where His love is everlasting? You see, we have fathers, most, some of us have fathers in this room, we may have had good relationship with our fathers. But here's the thing. Our fathers are going to make mistakes. Our fathers are human. And your father may have forsaken you. Your father may forsake you at some point. Your father may disappoint. Your father may pass on. But I'm here to tell you that your Abba Father, he's everlasting. Your Abba Father is not going anywhere. He is eternal. He's here to stay, folks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we go to the New Testament. Here Jesus arrives on the scene. And here he is in his earthly ministry. In the book of John, chapter 14, verses 7 and 9, we see this interesting portion of Scripture. You see, when Jesus was here on earth, he actually, he talked about himself in the third person quite a bit. And I'm talking about his title as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He always talked about himself when he said, the Son of Man must suffer all things. The Son of Man must die and raise again after three days. But he was talking about himself. Jesus always talked about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send the comforter in my name. But then he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. It's not somebody else's coming. It's my presence. I will come to you. And it was the same when he's talking about the Father. 
talked about the Father many, many times. And out of the disciples, Peter, Peter had a grasp on the revelation of who Jesus truly was. I think he's the first one to get it when he said, Who do you, the Son of Man, say that I am? And Jesus says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But now we have Philip. He, he's kind of one of the guys in the group that is a little bit slow to learn. And you know, that's okay. There's, there's always someone in the group who's a little slower to learn. But good thing God loves us all the same. Amen. And I read this passage a few times, and I've read it before, obviously, but it's just something really stuck out to me. Let's read it. John chapter 14, verses 7 to 9. Jesus said this, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. To me, that's pretty plain when Jesus is basically saying, I am the Father. (laughs) But here was Philip's response. And I'm sure Jesus kind of just put the palm in his face and shook his head and is like, okay. (laughs) Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. It would really benefit us, God, if you, or Jesus, if you show us the Father. And Jesus is probably thinking, I just told you. Anyway, here I'm going to say this again. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Notice Jesus said, I've been with you so long yet you have not known me. To receive this revelation, you must seek to know him. When you seek to know Jesus on a deeper level, he will reveal to you who he truly is. This comes by revelation on who Jesus truly is. So he said, if you've seen me, You have seen the Father. Now, if the Father was a separate person of Jesus, okay, that would not be his answer. This is what Jesus would would have said. Well, Philip, my Father is invisible. My Father rules all time and space. You cannot see him. But that's not what he said. He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Paul confirms this in Colossians 1.15 when he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The word image is derived from the Greek word icon, E-I-K-O-N, which means a literal, mirror-like representation. Think of it like an icon on your smartphone. Yes, you have permission to get out your phones. Not very often hear that in church. But you see those things there? Those are called icons. I-C-O-N. And here, 
in my Bible app, it says, Holy Bible with a book. This is the icon to get into the Bible application. When you see Jesus, Jesus is the icon of God because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that, he, that is our Abba Father. Jesus is our Abba Father. Now I want to turn to the parable of the prodigal son for a moment. This is in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. However, I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but I'm going to give a little summary on this parable that Jesus taught his disciples. It talks about a son. He asks his father for his inheritance, but then he spends it recklessly as he lives a life of indulgence. With nothing left of his fortune, he's forced to work as a hired hand for a pig farmer. He is so destitute that he longs to eat the food of the pigs. Realizing that his father's servants have better working conditions, he resolves to return to his father, beg for forgiveness, and ask to be his servant. However, upon arriving at his father's house, he is welcomed with loving arms. His father is overwhelmed with joy at his son's return and holds a feast in his honor. However, the prodigal son's older brother, who has remained serving in his father's house, does not share his father's joy. Instead, he is jealous that his father was not on, that has not honored him. His father urges him not to resent his brother, but to instead be happy for him. This parable gives us a clear picture on who our God really is. The father, just as our Abba Father does, he shows his love. It's unconditional. And he accepts him back into the family. I'm sure there's people in this room that you left the family of God for a season. But aren't you glad that he received you back into open arms? Because I can tell you, I'm sure glad that I am. Praise God. I thank God for his love today, his love that is everlasting. In fact, the father had been watching and waiting for his son to return. It wasn't like Jesus was occupied somewhere and worrying about somebody else. He was waiting for you and I to return to the house of God and most importantly, return to him. When the father sees the son approaching, indicating that he had been watching from, he runs to him and he embraces him with open arms. The Jews considered this highly unindignified in their culture. The patriarch never ran or never made the first move in such a situation. Yet this shows that our Abba Father, he sought us and he called us into his family, into his kingdom. Hallelujah. 
Here the Father, He gives the Son what He does not deserve. And that's grace. We don't deserve the grace of God, but I tell you, I'm so thankful for the grace of our Abba Father. Ephesians 2.8, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Grace is a gift from your Abba Father. It's not something that you earn. It's something that God gives as a gift to you and I. And he and the Father withholds what he actually did deserve, and that's called mercy. I thank God for the mercy, for his mercy. Psalms 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy where Moses is having a problem with God showing mercy to certain people. And God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We need to be careful when, when some people come to the church. We need to be careful when we, don't, when we say, well, God, why are you showing mercy to this person? We need to be very careful when we say that because you want to thank God that he showed you and I mercy. That person also deserves mercy, just like we receive mercy. I'm going to get the music to come back at this time. I'm just going to tell a little personal story. Most of you know I'm, I work as a correctional officer at the St. John Regional Correctional Center. And on this particular uh, night shift I was working about four years ago. I was tasked by my supervisor to take one of our clients to the, the hospital for some kind of a checkup or an appointment. And this was at nighttime. And at the time, I was blessed and privileged to work on the same shift as my father, who's also a correctional officer. So I, I went to my supervisor and I said, okay. And I asked him, I said, who... Who am I going to be going on the transfer with? Because there's always two officers. And he said, you're going to go with your father. And I thought that was, that's awesome because my father and I, we never had a chance to directly work together on the shift because we were always in different parts and corridors of the institution. So I thought this was one of those cool, you know, rare opportunities where I got to work with my father directly. We take this client to the emergency room and we're just sitting there waiting and, and we're talking to this guy and he, he's somebody that he's been in and out of the institution his whole life. And I had a, I had a pretty good rapport with this guy and we just began talking. And uh, I remember any time he gets released, he'd always say, yep, I'll be back. It's like, come on, man, I don't want you to say that. <laughs> I don't want you to come back. If I see you, I want to see you on the outside. I want to cheer you on, man. But no, he, he always had that attitude. I'm, yep, 
I'll be back. I'll see you soon. <laughs> but this time, there was something different. When I talked with him, he, he said, you know something, Jake? I said, what? He said, I'm not going to come back to jail. I'm getting out in a few weeks. He's like, I don't want to, I'm not coming back. I said, it's the first time I heard you say that. I said, what's changed? He said, I reconciled with my father. He had, he had such hope in his eyes. And he had such surety. He said, Jake, I'm not coming back. I have no reason to come back. He said, my father's getting old. He's offered me a place to live. And I want to take care of him. In that, that conversation, it's, it's something I'll never forget. And as we continue to wait in the waiting room, we, we keep talking. I talk with my father. And we, we finally get in a room. The client falls asleep, and my dad and, there, my dad and I are in there just chatting, just talking about the conversation that just took place. And then we begin talking about prison ministry and, and all that. And I remember like it was clear as day, almost like I heard an audible voice of God. It, it was so clear. God spoke to me and he said, just imagine the revival that would take place in her jail system if these men received a revelation on who their true father is. Whew. Boy, that stopped me in my tracks. I said, Dad, this is what the Lord just told me. <laughs> my dad's a little intense, he says. You write that down. You, hey, you're going to preach that someday. You're Here we are five years later. It really gave me a picture on the impact that a father has on somebody. That was his earthly father. Just imagine if they got a revelation on their Abba father. On their father that will never leave them nor forsake them. A father that's willing to forgive them of their past and everything that they have done. Sometimes people cannot be so forgiving, but your Abba Father, oh, he's so gracious. He's wanting to heal your heart today. And I know there's people here in this room and watching online that you may have grown up without a father. You may have grown up with a father who has abused you. You may have had a father who left you. You may have a father who passed on. But I'm here to tell you, your Abba Father wants to fill that void in your heart. He wants to heal your heart today. Shut it, welcome to me. Oh, hallelujah.
Let's all stand. Someone's coming here hurting. Your Abba Father wants to bring healing to you today. Final scripture, Revelation 3.20. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. You are hurt, you're going through a situation in your life, and you're asking God, God, I need your help. God, I need you to fix this. But the problem is the door is shut and the door is locked. Your Abba Father, he's waiting at the door. As a matter of fact, he's knocking at the door. You know what that door is? That's the door to your heart. Some of you are in a deep, dark valley right now and you're asking God, why me? Why me? Why am I in this state right now? God, I need your help. God's saying, you need to unlock and open the door first. And that's when I'm going to come in into your situation. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.